Hello and welcome to the Big Ideas Into Action podcast from the World Resources Institute. And in this episode, we're taking a deeper dive into one of WRI's stories to watch for the year ahead. The electrification of transport and why it's about more than just charging points for cars. Most of the development in electrification, of course, is focused on cars, but but transport involves so much more. And also why we need to look at how transport systems function all over the world, not just in the richest countries. We are seeing big changes happening in the developing world. China, India, Colombia, Chile, they are electrifying. Hello and welcome to this deeper podcast dive into WRI's Stories to Watch for 2022, our annual look at the big questions and issues for the year ahead. In this short series, we're looking at the stories in a bit more depth. The last episode was about coal, and this one is also about energy and the question of what powers our transport systems. Here's our president, Annie Dasgupta, introducing the issue of the electrification of transport in the Stories to Watch podcast that I recorded with him back in January. We are scratching the surface of electric mobility. It's at 1% of our fleet. How do we get to 30% of our fleet? How do you get to 90% of our fleet? So we need to accelerate it. That's the point you were making about infrastructure, charging station, getting it out there, making sure countries have policies. But we also need to reduce the number of people who use cars. Many more people are coming to middle class in India, China, Sub-Saharan Africa. Everyone wants cars. So we need to change our aspiration there, which is hard, I think. In a moment, we'll also hear from one of WRI's experts on transport. But first, we can hear from Car Lopez. She's the editorial coordinator in our Mexico City office, which gave her a very different perspective on electric vehicles. If you think about the use of car for single trips, you'll see that it is very different depending on the geography you're in. So, for example, in this side of the world, is completely different than in the United States, in which that is the main you know, means of transport for people in geographies such as Latin America, Mexico included, and in Africa, and in South Asia. Actually, people make a broader use of transport, uh, public transport systems and of cycling and, and walking. So what we brought to the table was how the approach to the carbonized transport was very region-specific, really, and how what we aim to do changes depending on the region that we're talking to. And in places like Europe and the United States, people think of Teslas, people think of places like uh, the Netherlands or Norway, where there's very, very advanced infrastructure for charging uh, domestic car use, if nothing else. Uh, how much does it vary from there to where you are? What's the, the, the kind of system-wide look from Mexico City? For instance, um, and I think it, it also varies even between the United States and Europe, I think that in some cities in the United States, it is unthinkable not to have a car, while in Mexico that it's really not the case. There are a lot of trips that are made either by a public transport or just walking. Uh, and this, of course, touches on a big, bigger subject that we also have to dive in a little bit during this story, which is how we plan building cities. So answering your question, I think that what we see more in the United States and Europe is that sometimes cities are built around cars and they are not built thinking that people move in different ways. Of course, the electrification of the transport sector has started in Latin America and in Mexico, but it is very different in terms of 
of, of the reach and the scope, uh, there are not that many people that are able to afford an electric car and you know, the advancement in infrastructure for charging, it's also not very developed, but that has to do also, as I was saying, with the way people move. So in Latin America, for example, in countries like Chile, Colombia and Mexico, the emphasis is on public transport. And looking back at uh, your time putting together this Stories to Watch uh, issue on, uh, you know, the future of, of electric vehicles and le- electric transportation, was there anything that you learned that particularly surprised you? Yeah, actually, many things. <laughs> when you are part of this team, it's, it's, very, it's doing a research very in-depth. So I was for weeks sometimes reading just about batteries, for example. And, and the advancements in batteries and in charging installations were something that was new to me. So, for example, I've learned that we are already facing very big challenges in that front because I think that in 2020, for example, Europe couldn't meet the demand that they had on terms of electric batteries because they didn't have enough resources or capacity. So this is a problem that is just going to get worse. And it was also very interesting to see, for me, for example, that land transport, it is by a lot the largest source of emissions compared to, for example, aviation or shipping. I I had the idea before that that aviation was a lot more intensive in that sense. And, And also it was surprising for me to understand that right now, most of the development in electrification, of course, is focused on cars, but, but transport involves so much more. So the technologies needed for all the means of transport is in the development stages still. So then governments have to really make a push and you know, make a priority to develop these technologies in the speed that we need them. Carl Lopez from WRI Mexico. You're listening to WRI's Big Ideas Into Action podcast, this week taking a deeper dive into the electrification of transport. So to find out what the big questions are when it comes to the electrification of transport around the entire world, I turned to Claudia Adriazola-Style, Acting Director for Urban Mobility at the WRI Ross Centre for Sustainable Cities. We are seeing a big, big increase in electric vehicles. Right now, around the world, we have 12 million electric vehicles. That has changed enormously in only five years. So electrification is happening, Nicolas. What's more important, the the car drivers, the urban public transport, or getting logistics right? Which one of these should be more of a priority for if we're going to go for full electrification of, of transport as far as possible? That's a great question. But I will say this is not a horse race. This is all about multimodality, a system approach. What we don't want is congestion, huge public health toll, people dying on the streets, breathing bad air, not able to move around, physical activity takes the the life of people by the millions every year. We don't want inequity. So what we want is mobility that provides everyone with a fair chance to access economic opportunities, less impact on public health, or even positive impacts on public health, for example, when you bike. So I would say every piece 
is important. We do need to transition from internal combustion engine vehicles to electric vehicles. It is absolutely important. But the timeline that we have right now, Nicolas, is only 10 years. By 2030, we really need to reduce our carbon emissions that are coming from transport 90%. And that means that electric vehicles are a very important piece, but it's not going to take us where we need to be. We also need to work on mass transportation, walking and cycling, and of course, land use policies. And where can we look to see the biggest potential impact of the electrification of of transport systems? Well, let's take a look at what we have right now. Um, We need to transition from uh, internal combustion engine vehicles to electric vehicles. But we also need to reduce the use of vehicles around 4 to 14 percent. This is managed demand. If we don't do it, CO2 emissions that in 2019 were 8 gigatons will be 18 gigatons in 2050. For the transport sector to aim to net zero, it needs to reduce from 12 gigatons in 2020 to 5.5 gigatons in 2030 to 0.7 gigatons in 2050. That is, as I said, a 90% reduction mass transportation, electric bicycles are two important pieces, for example, that we can put at front as we move into electrification. But every country and every context varies. And so when we see countries like the United States or many countries in Europe that have a very high motorization rate, the United States is 800 vehicles per 1,000 people. You see countries in Africa like Ethiopia, they have eight vehicles per 1,000 people. So we have to think about the priorities in different contexts. The United States needs to have a very aggressive electrification policy. But as Secretary Buttigieg has said, they also need to have mass transportation, they need to double mass transportation and make walking and cycling a possibility in the United States. Uh, you mentioned Ethiopia then. Uh, obviously, it's it's fantastic to have all of these intentions and see the potential for the electrification of, of transport in different places. But when you're dealing with uh, poorer countries with less uh, you know, governmental capacity, such as Ethiopia, Is it realistic to think that these things can actually happen in the next few years, or or what is the timescale? We are seeing big changes happening in the developing world. China, India, Colombia, Chile, they are electrifying and starting with their bus fleets, which I think is a great reflection of how people move in the developing world. The Global South has a much more different way to move around. I would say a healthier mode share. 80 to 90% of people move in mass transportation. They walk, they cycle. So that they are choosing electrification, especially of their buses, is very appropriate. We should be addressing different contexts differently. 
the developing world needs to also move away from internal combustion engines. So I think the developing world is also in the path of electrification, but it's a different context. And that was Claudia Adriazola-Style on why the electrification of transport is a critical story to watch for the year ahead. If you want more of our insights into what else is critical, there's a podcast with Ani Dasgupta on all the stories that we think are worth watching. And you can also find his presentation and slide deck at wri.org slash stories dash to dash watch. And the podcasts are also there at wri.org slash podcasts, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast app. I'm Nicholas Walton. Goodbye for now.